The issue of transgenderism seems to be the hot topic across the country today. Even in recent days, we have had another tragedy of a school shooting. Um, and at the heart of, of this is a very disturbed individual who, uh, who experienced gender dysphoria. Mm. So, Ben, last week we began this conversation. We're going to continue it to today as we talk about the roots and the consequences yeah. of transgenderism. It's not just an isolated issue. It's part of a bigger, a, a, a bigger worldview, a bigger agenda, uh, and, and also a bigger direction. Am I right? Yeah, I think last time we talked about that, that untethering from the biblical worldview. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and Darwin, Darwinism, in a way, was that um, major uh, movement in our, or I guess, a catalytic m- moment in our in our society um, that that really divorced Western thought, Western civilization from the Judeo-Christian worldview. And so it applied to science. And then when that happened, all of these other, I guess, isms started propping up. And so, um, again, that that understand that that event explains the divorce that took place. But now that the boat has been drifting on the the open seas, what are the winds that are now blowing against the sails? And that's what I want to talk about today because, you know, where where you get from Darwinism to transgenderism is still, you know, there's still a bunch of points along the way that you have to understand what are some things that happened where that were influencing um these 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 movements. And so uh, you know, as I was reading and studying this, because I think all of us want to understand, if you're sitting there today, you have to understand where this comes from. You cannot, you cannot address the issue properly unless you understand the roots of it, because the arguments are going to come from the, the understanding, you know, the, the philosophical underpinnings of the entire structure. So you got to get to the underneath it to really understand it. So I think there's a couple, I would say there's two major movements that took place, philosophical movements that took place that have, have lent itself to uh, where we are today. The first one is, I, w- I would say, is the psychoanalytic understanding of humanity that Sigmund Freud introduced yeah. mm-hmm. in the 1890s. Um, when, again, Darwinism in the 1860s, all of a sudden man, men are just a clump of cells, and so we've got to understand humanity apart from their his creator and and Freud's Freud's basic presupposition um, is that you know human beings are essentially their sexual desires, hmm. right? That's who we are. And and he made us uh, he he wanted us to be viewed as sexual beings primarily. And all of our troubles and all of our mental issues had to do with sexual dysfunction. And so um, it was really that psychoanalytic uh, framework that that made people feel like the number one thing that I see if there's if there's problems inside of me, it's because there's sexual frustration. I'm not able to express myself sexually the way that I want to. And that was that was Freud's fundamental way that he saw human beings. Now, I don't I don't believe that we are fundamentally sexual beings. I think that God created us. We know in the beginning God created sex. He created us for se- I mean Sex is a part of the the thing that God created for us to enjoy uh, each other, a hu- between a husband and wife. But that's not that's not our primary identity, right? It's something that that is is to be enjoyed within its proper bounds. But you know, when you make sexuality the foundation of your identity, there's a reason why when when your sexual feelings or your sexual desires come under fire, you're saying, "Well, you're not letting me be who I." who I am, hmm. right? Because that is the essence of who I am. And um, 
you know, when you think about that, that's a very bad, whenever you're basing your identity on something that can be taken away, Hmm. that's a bad identity. If you think about your sexuality as a human being, there's a, there's a time when that, that, uh, you know, before puberty, that it's not even existing in young, in in young children. And then once puberty hits, there's the understanding of the, the, the sexuality and, and, but then as you age, you know, the, the, the testosterone, the estrogen, all these things, the life cycle is that, you know, there's this bell curve of sexual activity. And then as you're, as you're aging, that's not as important. But when you are saying the essence of who I am is my sexuality, what you're saying is I'm putting something that is concrete about who I am, my fundamental identity that can be taken away. Hmm. And that is a very dangerous thing to do. Um, So that was, that's been one major movement that has, that has, or fruit in our in our in our thinking today. The other one comes from it's a little bit different, but it comes from uh, maybe you've heard of critical race theory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and really, critical race theory. There was a grandfather to critical race theory, and that is actually critical theory that came out of the 1930s out of the Frankfurt School, where uh, Marxism, which was another one of major isms, the idea of of applying this idea of uh, equity to the economic system that there is if it was a full philosophical way that there are these power brokers in the world and they are trying to suppress the everyday man and so you've got to throw off your shackles and and get what's what's due to you right and so what happened with marxism is it it went beyond the economic system and they started applying it to sociology and so critical theory is essentially marxism uh, through this lens of society. And critical theory was the belief, uh, and I don't want to get into the names, but it came out of this uh, University of Frankfurt in the 1930s, the belief that anyone that is in power is evil and that the power structures of this world are meant to keep the minority suppressed. And so whatever that minority is, um, so it could be it could be capitalist or you know you you apply, so what you now have is you have critical theory which sees the world through marxism that's the lens by which you see something anyone that's in power is 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 basically corrupt and evil and they're trying to keep you from expressing who you are so any kind of societal what they believe is that societal norms are there to keep you oppressed any societal norms and so because in the Western world, most societal norms came from a Judeo-Christian worldview and, and a lot of the um, things that came out of the uh, you know, Middle Ages, Reformation, uh, Protestant work ethic, all those kinds of things, family structure, what they believe, they started applying that in academia, they started applying that to all kinds of things. So then it was, well, let's apply this to gender. And that's where they, the rise of the feminists in the 60s and 70s. Um, and then you had the, in the, let's apply this to race. And then you had critical race theory that really developed in the 1980s in different universities across the United States, by which you see the world through the, the people, the, the color of skin that's, that's in charge. And, and, and you see that there, there's always this oppression, right? But you see the world through that. That's if you, whatever race, whatever power is in charge, that they're the evil people trying to suppress you. And then you had in the 90s um, kind of the, the next logical progression of a, let's apply this to gender, let's apply, apply this to 
um, to race, and now it's applied to sexuality. So queer theory was something that came out of, again, critical theory was its, its granddad, but it was the belief that heterosexual norms are evil. And so what we've got to do is tear down anything that is normalized, uh, heteronormalization is what they would call it. And so the very fact that you've got to come out to your parents is something that should never have to be even an issue because uh, heterosexuality should never be assumed. And so, again, this was theorized in academic, you know, the, the, the ivory towers of, of academia in the 1990s. And what has happened is you now are 30 years removed from this being taught in universities. So now the um, it is now assumed that that is that's what we're trying to do. That the the people that all of these cultural norms are evil, wicked, meant to suppress the the minorities, the um, the the sexual that they're they're not the, the mainstream or the religious non-mainstream, and just to let whatever whatever's minority needs to be elevated. And again, I'm not. I think when we share this, I, what I'm not saying is that there are not evil, wicked people in power that suppress people. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that there isn't racism. I'm not saying that there isn't discrimination. I'm not saying that there isn't things that, you know, God wants us to treat all humanity with dignity, right? In a level of, of honor, because there are people made in the image of God. But what, what critical theory does um, is it takes the, the structures of society and says, we must tear them down and create a new normal. And what they're doing is essentially we're living through this great experiment of human existence to tear down cultural norms that have been going on for thousands of years. So, all right, how long? Well, that took me about you know nine minutes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's the history lesson, people. Yeah, and, and it, I mean it, it was a great concise, uh, you know, soliloquy of of where how we got to where we're at. Yeah, and and it's interesting, you know, when you can look back on history and look at, you you know. A large part of the unrest across civilization, it's not just an American phenomenon, Hmm. um, but it is the rise of anarchy and Hmm. anarchism. Hmm. Um, And these are folks who really believe that all established institutions, morals, values, uh, traditions, heritage need to be destroyed in order for something new and equal to be to be raised up. Yeah. So and, and you know we look at, at we look at the Antifa, we look at the uh, the anarchists who wear their hoods and operate in anonymity. But the, 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 you know I'm I'm a, was born in the 60s. I, I, they were there in the 60s. Right. They're there in the 70s. Yeah. They were uh, Dan, they were there. The person that shot the you know, Archduke Ferdinand and yeah, yeah. That, they was were an anarchist. Was anarchist. Yeah. Like they were, they've been around for over a hundred years. Yeah. And, but I, I would contend that they've been around for all of human history. It's true. Because again, it, we, we complicate it. There's, there's a lot of derivatives of original sin, mm. but they can all be traced back to the original sin. When we decided to say, God, you're not enough. God, you're not telling the truth. God, mm. you're irrelevant or God, you don't exist at all. We have replaced the order that comes with God 
and 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 replaced it with chaos. That's right, and that's what Satan wants. That's exactly what Satan wants. Yeah. You know, it, it it goes. You know, to the, to the whole issue of integrity. Integrity comes from the word integer. Integer is a whole number. Mm. What does Satan do? He divides us. He wants to split us from God. Yes. He wants to split us from order. Yes. He wants to split us from rules and civilization and all of the things that because he is the great accuser, the great yeah. divider. And and it's it's fascinating when you think about what it's producing. It's producing an immense amount of confusion. Yeah. An uncertainty of like, I don't, I don't even know what is like, what can you be sure of today? Mm-hmm. And so, when when you think about the the rise of mental health issues that are especially amongst the young people, I think you're seeing a rise. I think it's the rise of mental health issues is for a number of reasons. Number one, um, when you remove anyone's identity or or purpose and divorce them from a creator, they're gonna. It's just natural, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is that they, there's so much uncertainty for young people. They don't even know if maybe I'm not a maybe I'm not a girl. Maybe I'm not mm-hmm. a boy. Like when you remo- when you get to that basic parts of someone's existence, and you put you put questions in their minds about that. My goodness, no wonder kids are so anxious or broken. They don't even there's nothing sure in their lives. And this chaos that Satan has been bringing through these different worldviews is wreaking havoc upon people that do not know of the sure foundation that we can have through God and his word. Yeah. When there is no such thing as objective truth, then everything becomes subjective. Mm. And the consequence of that is chaos and disorder. Mm. It's confusion. It's why literally I hear kids say, I can't even think straight. Well, no wonder you can't think straight because if you don't, if you don't know where north is, if you don't know the thing up and down or male and female, then chaos mm. is the consequence right. of that. There's a couple of other movements that we've seen in history. And again, I think the interesting thing is we can trace all these back to landmark or sometimes in, in research we call it watershed moments. But, you know, and Darwinism to me is is the greatest one maybe of the last thousand years or maybe even further than that. But but um, you know, nat- the rise of naturalism came out of Darwinism. That's right. And and so when when you look at naturalism, it, it basically says everything has a scientific explanation. There is only the natural world. There is not a supernatural world. Therefore, there is no need. Only natural elements have ever existed. There's never been a supernatural force or supernatural power. Mm. Then the other the other factor, and Freud had his fingers in this a little bit, as as did Jung and others, but environmental determinism, mm. that we are the product of our environments. That's we right. are the product of the influences that society has placed yeah. upon us. And in order for us to be freed from that, you have to destroy the power of the influences. Yeah. So, But again, whether we're talking about environmentalism or environmental determinism, or that we're talking about uh, naturalism or 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 uh, Marxism, social Marxism, critical race, critical theory, queer theory, all these different things, they all have the same origin. And the origin begins with the denial that there is a God and that he matters. And that we are accountable to him. And that we're accountable to him. Yeah, it, I think matters. that's 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 the thing. The fundamental issue is it's it's it, what it's doing is saying we're animals. We're mm-hmm. nothing but animals. But at the same time, you can be your own God. Yeah. And so it's interesting, Dan, I remember when we were going through the book of Daniel and and every time you see someone moving away from God's ways and God's purposes, they become more animal-like, right? That's what happened with Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. right? He became more animal-like. It was Eating a meta- it was actual woods. metaphor for his life is the more that you move away from worshiping the one true God, you're more animal-like you're going to be. Uh, the, the symbols of the beast-like 
kingdoms, right? It was a, it's symbolic because that you're either going to be more beast-like or more godlike, and it's it's interesting when you have God in the in the Garden of Eden creating man in His own image. Uh, you have man being in some ways uh, being a mammal, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have we classify as mammals, but we have this divine under you know spark inside of us because of god's image inside of us that animals do not have that animals do not have but at the same time you have the the beast in the garden the serpent and what the serpent is saying is hey why don't you become more like god but the more that we divorce ourselves from that authority from that creative order we become more animal like mm-hmm. we become more like the beast mm-hmm. than than god and i think that's the the great lie that the serpent has introduced from the very beginning is that if we if we separate ourselves from the authority and in the uh, presence of God from His laws, from His ways, that we can in, in some ways experience freedom and we can experience life to the fullest. And it, and it's, but what happens is we're put in more bondage, and actually it it creates more problems for us in that way. So like we can see that, and the problem is now there the amount of people that are living under the, the the ways of the serpent, living under this this idea of that there is no God and he does not matter, is you're getting the the sexual confusion. You're mm-hmm. getting the moral confusion. You're getting all the confusions and all of the ideas. It's just going to keep propagating itself unless God tarries or unless God judges. Yeah. That's basically, or God moves, right? right. You've got three options. Jesus is going to come back. Jesus is going to bring judgment or that God's going to bring a revival uh, if if God's people are are hungry enough for that. And so I think that's um that's where we're at right now. Yeah. You know, and and this this comes back again to the gospel message. And the gospel message is one that calls us back to the creator. Again, right. in Romans chapter 1, we were warned, watch the decline of civilization mm. that occurs. Mm-hmm. And some of those steps, for, you know, we, we lack a recognition of God. And then we're not grateful to God. Mm. And then eventually, you know, we get to the point where um, we worship the creation rather than the That's creator, right. That's right. including ourselves. Yeah. And then, you know, it continues. And it's interesting, the very final steps are... Um, sexual perversion, yep, uh, and, uh, and, and erasure of the gender lines and appropriate ex- sexual expression, and then the celebration. The celebration. That's what we're actually at the last step. Yeah, when in Romans e- yeah. one, evil becomes celebrated as good, and yeah. good becomes demeaned as evil. Yeah, and so that's we are we are now at the precipice of you know twenty five years ago it was hey let's be tolerant now it's we will not be tolerant of you. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it it's used flipped. to be, it used to be, you know, to, and think of how quick that happened, Dan. I mean, you and I have lived through yeah, in our lifetime, a right? fundamental shift in culture that, that, you know, only God in his spirit can, you know, rescue us back from. This is not going to be resolved. Let, let me just say this. This will not be resolved by hire, by hiring, by electing different, uh, you know, people into public office. Um, this will be only resolved by the Spirit of God bring conviction in people's lives, and the amount of people being saved is going to be greater than than the people who are going down the path of darkness. So that is, we're we're at the mercy of God's God's Spirit moving, um, because once you've gotten this far, there's no elected official that's going to, no amount of elected official is going to change this. Yeah. And, and for us as individuals, we, we have to get to a point where we realize this. We have two options. We can be faithful resistance, mm. speaking the truth, 
and emphasizing the gospel, mm. or we will acquiesce That's right. and become no different than the world and and received the the just recompense for yeah. that as well, because yeah. that is the path of damnation. That yeah. is the path of destruction, and it is the path of death. I think one of the things that's important, as uh, and we've talked about this, this is not anything new, but parents, you better... Be aware of what your kids are learning about. You better be aware of when they're going to college, where they're going to school. What are they learning? The queer theory, the you know, critical theory. These are things that they they are now just assume that if it's a public institution, this will be taught. Yeah. And therefore, do not assume that that the things that you were taught in college growing up are the same thing. No. Now every university has this kind of ideology that has permeated not just the fringes, right? Not just the the women's and and sexuality studies. No, this is in business school now. Yeah. This is in education now. Well, and that's that's really crucial for us to understand that because for a while we had we had areas that were still somewhat tethered. Right. To use the word you used to begin this broadcast, to truth. But now the major institutional or, or civilization's pillars, mm-hmm. whether we're talking about the economy or, or business or government mm-hmm. or the law or education and even religion. That's right. All of these major pi- entertainment, you right. know, the media, right. all of them now have fully embraced. The only place where there's just a little slither is the faithful remnant of the religious. That's right. And that is is found in those with the Judeo-Christian ethic and fundamentally those who are Christ followers. Yes. So in America, we've been spoiled for a couple hundred years thinking that we were the majority. We've never been the majority in the world. Mm -hmm. We are not the majority now. We must see ourselves as aliens and intruders in a world system that is bent toward destruction mm. and damnation. Yeah. And we must be the faithful speakers of truth. We must be the consistent followers of Christ. And we must be be prepared to pay the price and sacrifice ourselves right. for that which matters in eternity. Absolutely. So, Well, man, that, that, that 22 minutes it went by, by didn't quick, it? <laughs> didn't it? I, I hope what we've done is we've stirred the appetite in just these two episodes. Mm. This is deeper. This is deeper than just, you know, a political shift. Yeah. This is different than different between red states and blue That's states. Right. This is this is a worldview yes. conflict. And you got to know where it came from. Yeah. You have to otherwise you won't be able to identify it when you see it in the in the shows in the movies right. in the programs right. you have to be able to say i that's critical theory yeah that's the that's marxism you got you got to be able to identify it so you can call it out and help your children understand when you see it yeah we cannot be dismissive of that's this that's right Everything is at stake. Well, Ben, thanks for for the good the good information for us today. I hope you'll continue to uh, to explore this uh, on your own. And as always, we appreciate the fact that you listen to us here at Life Talks. Please share us if you would on your social media and tell others about it. And until next time, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. The Ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit LifeCharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.